Welcome to Too Old for This Podcast, episode 24. Tonight, we're finally going to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Plus, there's so much news, we got to bring back the news grinder. We're going to talk about Spider-Man leaving the MCU, Matrix 4 announcement, and the Obi-Wan TV series announcement. So without further ado, up nerd and up nerd, let's start the show. What's crack-a-lackin', my brother? DJ Kevy Kev, JD the MC, on the mic. Wah, 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 wah. What's up, brother? How are you this week? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. Nah, no complaints. Um, yeah. Any just... news? Any any big happenings? I know you're getting ready for your birthday party this weekend. But... Yeah, um, nothing nothing crazy. Uh, like you said, yeah, totally getting ready for the birthday um, so I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show when we talked about my birthday, but I'm actually going to be doing a, like a, um, when I do my set, like when I DJ, I'm going to do like an old school, much music video dance party vibe. Right. So, oh yeah. So I've been, uh, I've been downloading a bunch of like videos and stuff like that. So just getting ready, getting, just trying to cover all my basics. So it's, I'm get, kicking it, kicking it old school, much music the style. The big screens fired up. Yeah, so uh, I'm bringing my projector. So um, the way I'm gonna set it up, uh, you'll see. You're coming, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I'll it'll, the videos will be projected behind me. Word. So, so yeah, no, you, I've been. You should uh, get Erica M. Man, make it authentic. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, fuck, why am I drawing a blank on his name? The guy with the dreads. Um, Master, oh, dreads. Master, Master T. Master T. Master T. I should get, get Master on T. Up, but let's move to the much music group. <laughs> no, I should really make it authentic and get Monica I, Diol. I see that guy around Toronto. Do you really? Oh, Monica Diol. I proposed to her. Did you really? Uh, nice. I, when, I was, when I was 18, yeah. I went down to much music on Speaker's Corner and I asked her to the prom, actually, on <laughs> uh, Speaker's Corner, and nice. they they played it. I I actually made the uh, best of Speaker's Corner that year. Nice for that for that. Yes, I was I was I was very um, famous in my own mind for that. Nice. Did she go with you though? Uh, no, she did not respond. Uh, uh, and what and soon at, soon after that, I found out that she was. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if she was. No, she she had a kid. <laughs> She, I don't know if she was married to Moses Neimer or she she had a love child with Moses Neimer. Really? They were like dating anyway. And I, I'm you know what? Maybe I, maybe this isn't true. I don't have confirmation. I haven't looked it up, but that's my memory from 30 years ago of Monica Diol but nice. <laughs> nice. from much much music. Anyway, um, like nobody uh, cares about this. <laughs> so, <laughs> we should, I um, care. I care. That's what I, I know. I know. I know you do. I know you do. And I'm looking forward to your birthday party uh, yeah. this this weekend. Why don't you tell people in, in case people want to check it out when um, and where and what's going on? Uh, if I remember the address, it's uh, it's okay. So it's in Brampton, uh, All Stars Bar and Grill, and I believe it's 73 or 71. I can't remember. Uh, Bramley Road. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an old school party. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a couple like modern gems dropped here and there, but, uh, I, I'm going to have a strict rule on no Drake. Zero Drake will be played oh. at my birthday. Uh, oh. if I hear any Drake from any of the other DJs, they oh. are instantly cut off. <laughs> that's a little, that's a little hometown bitterness right there. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, man. I, I do like Drake, but, um, 
I listen, so at work, I listen to, I believe it's Virgin, which is 99.9. Mm-hmm. And uh, they play Drake like five times like every hour. And Drake is from Brampton, the town you're from, the town you are in. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so in your town, is it like, is it like weird, like Drake land? Is like Drake just everywhere, inescapable all the time? Or? Um, no, I'm just saying, like uh, at work, I hear Drake all the time, so I don't want to hear Drake, yeah. man. I want right, right. to hear, like, I want these guys when they spin. I want them to surprise me. I want them to play that song where I'm like, yes, thank mm-hmm. you. That's the mm-hmm. song I want to hear. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yes. I'm, I'm hoping you, you want to be you want to be reminded of a world before Drake. Yeah, absolutely, right. So <laughs> nothing appeases me more than when I when I go to like a jam or whatever. Like if I'm at a party, whatever the case may be, and there's a DJ, and when that DJ plays a song that you don't expect to hear, that's mm-hmm. when I'm like, yes, thank you. So I yeah. I hope to get that feeling when I'm when uh when those guys are spinning and I hope I give that feeling to somebody in the crowd when I spin. So that's that's my goal. And word, Drake word. is not gonna do that. <laughs> Even if I get that, hey, I remember this song, thank you for playing that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, because I'm gonna be dusting some stuff off that uh that people probably haven't heard for years. Fantastic. And I'm gonna have and I'm gonna have the video to accompany it, which makes it even that cooler, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm yeah. pretty excited. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so Saturday, August twenty fifth at All Stars Bar twenty fourth. That's what I meant. Yeah, August twenty fourth. All Stars Bar and Grill, yeah. Brampton, Ontario. In the B dot. So get your boogie on. There you go. Enough about my birthday, though. Want to grind this out? Uh, you know what? Before we get to the news this week, and there's a lot of news to talk about this yeah. week. Let's just a quick a quick list of what we're going to talk about this week. It's huge. Spider Man is out of the MCU. Yep. Uh, there's a Matrix Four has been announced with yeah. the original cast returning, and one of the Wachowskis. And the oh, really? I didn't hear that part. Yeah, that's right. Only okay. one of the two. Only one of the two Wachowskis so far is attached to this. So the girl Wachowski or the we're man? talking about it later. Okay. We're talking about it later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think they're both female now, anyway. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And the other piece of news is the Obi-Wan TV series announcement. But before we do that... What? No, I'm just saying, yo, that's big. Oh, okay, that's big, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's confirmed, finally. It's not not a rumor. It's not a fucking rumor anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Um, But before we do that, my friend, can we please talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? All right. (laughs) Let's do this. Like, I don't want to do a full review because it's been so long it's, and everybody, everybody, you know, it's not news anymore. It's, it's still not, in the theaters, though. Not, it is. It's still in the theaters. It's, it's still not, relevant. It's not, it's not doing, it's not performing as well as it should have been, but I think it performed a little better than most Tarantino films, which is a good thing. I thought it performed, I thought it was his biggest opening. The biggest opening, but uh, it dropped to like number three, I think, by the next week, the following weekend, if I remember correctly. So. Yeah, it, it did, it did drop in yeah. the top 10 really pretty yeah. quickly his biggest uh, thing but yeah um but to me uh it's one of his best films um you know I'm, when I, yeah I, I disagree but go on <laughs> this is why i said to me uh, <laughs> he, 
it's a it's 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 you know what when I when I was watching this movie, I just mm-hmm. got the sense because I know you know from you know I'm a Quentin Tarantino fan. I, I yeah. follow you know every interview I can I can get my hands on and yeah. all the information I can find. I know that he's 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 friends with Brad Pitt and DiCaprio in real life. They're yeah. like buddies. They like party together. Mm-hmm. And I just I I you know as I'm watching this movie, I just pictured the genesis of this film is. Uh, you know, Quentin and Brad and Leo, mm-hmm. who are all like big power players in Hollywood. They're all big time producers. They're all like super into the creative process of making films. Yeah. Um, so it's probably like the, you know the greatest you know Hollywood power friendship that exists. Right. Uh, and I just picture I just picture them sitting around drinking, smoking hash like they do, and uh, and Quentin saying something like, you know, I really like the what I really like the way Inglorious Bastards turned out. You know, the way I took that historical event and put like a fairy tale ending spin on it yeah. to like to like give people a sense of. Um, like fan service almost yeah. like wishful fulfillment attitude, yes okay. yeah wishful wish fulfillment right so yeah. like ev- so like like quentin tapped into this vein of you know like fan service wish fulfillment is what is a big thing that that hollywood is about films are about right mm-hmm. and and there's this whole global zeitgeist about hitler right about like like more than anyone else on earth in the history of the world who would be the most hated figure that people would want to see killed? Mm-hmm. Um, like, who could you name bigger than Hitler on that list? Right. So, I, I, I name feel... someone almost as big as Hitler. Okay, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> and you know what's going to happen? In the, in don't don't say Kathleen Kennedy. No, I was going to say Donald Trump. Man. Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. Donald I, okay. Trump. Well, let's not go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> We're talking about yeah, big big uh, big politicians basically. Yeah, right? so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, on it's, that it's list. my it's my goal to keep our show politics free. Although yes, every, no, everyone agree, who knows me knows that's not that's not my nature. Uh, yeah. I'm going to try to do that here. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, where was I? Uh, okay, so it's, no, the wish yeah. fulfillment thing, right? So he kills Hitler and Inglorious Bastards, and it's a big risk, right? Everybody yeah. might go, "This is stupid." Yeah. Like why? Why? Like that's dumb. Uh, but people loved it, and um, I loved it. And Inglorious Bastards is my favorite Quentin Tarantino film by all time. It's uh, and I, I, I picture he's sitting in a room with with Leo and Brad, and the and the conversation goes like, you know, I love what the way that worked out. You know, um, did a similar thing in Django, kind of, you know, uh, playing with history and stuff. But um, uh, so I like I would love to do that again for my next film, uh, but I would like to make it like my personal fairy tale fantasy, like my personal and 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 the personal wish fulfillment of those three guys. Like guys, let's do this wish fulfillment thing in a movie, but let's do it for us, mm-hmm. like the like our ultimate fan, because we know Quentin is like the essential film geek, right? Like he like. We all heard about how, you know, he was the uh, video store employee in the 90s yeah. and, uh, you know, and just and just has he has this super high IQ and he's just obsessed with with film and with the film process. He loves it. He truly loves it. And that's why I love his filmmaking, because I I think that he shows his just his passion for what he does mm-hmm. is just in, in everything. Right. It's right there up on the screen. Uh, his love, his love is always there. Um 
And I think that's what this is. This is like a fairy tale for, for Hollywood guys, for specifically for guys who loved this era of film in the late 1960s. So I'm talking about like um, the, the, like the tail end of when Westerns were really popular in, in, in American culture. And um, it's kind of the Andy Warhol era of, of pop culture where like this, this bright, uh, colorful style of filmmaking is happening um, and it's also kind of artsy and experimental. And we, and we've seen a lot of that reproduced in, in parodies like Austin Powers. Yeah. Right. And there are scenes in this film that, that look and sound exactly like they were lifted out of an Austin Powers movie. Like you're waiting for the Austin Powers jokes to be cut into some of these scenes, yeah. but it's, but it's not that it's just an authentic, uh, loving recreation of the cinema of that era. Yeah. And um, one thing I saw a lot of people complaining about in this movie was that it's kind of slow. Right, it's it's got these long sections yep. with no dialogue at all, and people for a Quentin Tarantino movie, you might be coming for that dialogue, that that you know that fast paced, you know, uh, foul language laced, but really clever, really funny dialogue that you, we know Quentin um, for, you know, stuff like. <clears throat> I'm thinking about like Dick, 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 Dick from uh, Reservoir Dogs, right? right. And uh, yeah. you know, like every fucking scene in Pulp Fiction, uh, you know, Hateful Eight. Uh, there was a lot of right? a lot of dialogue in Hateful Eight. Yeah. Right. So if you're coming for that, yeah. Quentin Tarantino in this film, I understand why you walked away from this thinking, oh, that was kind of slow, yeah. because there is very little of that in this film. There is some you get a little, but you only get it in little spurts here and there. Yeah. What mostly, what mostly you get is this slow quiet um love poem to 1960s hollywood there are these long slow scenes where you are just living in hollywood where you're just being immersed in this time period mm -hmm. and this city and this culture of filmmaking especially but um you know greater uh, the greater la culture uh, uh, as well right, right. um and um, to me, this was a new, like, style. Uh, it's, it was an, an evolution of Quentin Tarantino's filmmaking style, right? Like, I never, I, I don't think I've ever seen him. And I, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not recalling something, but I, I don't think I've ever seen him use this style of just, like, long, slow, quiet scenes without dialogue with just a lot of focus on the scenery, uh, the image on the screen, right? And... And the music as well. Uh, it, it, the, the score of this film um, really, uh, again, pulled directly from this era of filmmaking, this 1960s, late 60s um, film style, both the Western film style, which is very different from the pop yeah. uh, film style that I was re referring to earlier. I feel like, um, sorry to interrupt, but I feel ahead, like... Jackie Brown was uh, a little bit similar to that style as well. Um, yeah. There were a lot of scenes where it was like, you know, it'd be like her walking through the mall and then was focusing on the bag that she was carrying. You know what I mean? Right, and, right, right. right? But, so there was, but, he's kind of done that before, but I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. I feel like like Jackie Brown was wound with more tension than this movie, though. I feel mm -hmm. like th this movie drops the tension out. Right. Um, and then there, I mean, there are scenes like, like there's the scene where Brad Pitt goes to the, um, the Manson compound or it's, it's the ranch, yeah. but it's, it's where, you know, the Manson, Manson family is taking it over. Yeah. And there's that scene where Brad Pitt's like, like there just to like look around because he's like, what the hell are these weirdos doing here? 
Um, and and it's a long, slow scene where you constantly think, is Brad Pitt about to get jumped, yeah. uh, murdered by these people? And, you know, you know, spoiler alert, you end up finding, you know, nothing happens. But it's yeah. it's such a long, slow, tense tension buildup. It's such a great, powerful scene. And again, with very little dialogue, um, but some great acting on the part of Brad Pitt and uh, the rest of the cast who were in that scene with him. Uh, what's his name? Bruce McDermott? Um, Bruce Mc... yeah. uh, is that, is that or his McDonald. Name? Bruce? It's, his name's Bruce. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern. Yeah, Thank you. you I knew that was <laughs> Bruce yeah. Dern. Yeah, he's, he's great in this scene. Uh, playing George George Spann, who's a real life person, mm-hmm. who's who was the owner of this uh, this uh, it, it was a fake ranch in Hollywood that was used to film westerns at. It was a lot that was basically a western town, yeah. um, and it, it, they used it to film a lot of westerns at uh, in the fifties and sixties. And then by the by the end of the sixties, when you know they stopped making so many westerns, this place had kind of gone to seed. wasn't being used for films anymore. Mm-hmm. They were trying they were trying to keep it alive by giving tours on horseback to to tourists. Um, but it was kind of run down and kind of abandoned, and the Manson family kind of took it over. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that's true. That happened in real life. And um, we we get Brad Pitt's character, fictional character, interjected into this situation. And that creates the tension because because we know in real life the sinister nature of this family and this situation. Because if anybody anybody who has followed the Manson family murders, um, the murder of Sharon Tate, anybody like when you're watching this movie, you know this um, these details. So when you suddenly see Brad Pitt, like in this situation mm-hmm. our sense of history informs us for the tension but the film doesn't really right the film treats us uh, like for, uh, to brad pitt's point of view mm-hmm. like he's like i i don't know if this is a weird situation or not i'm just here to like look into it yeah. um uh and i think that's part of the brilliance of it right when I, when i say tarantino said let's make this fairy tale for us um that's kind of what i'm referring to is that a lot of the times this movie just leans on the history and expects you to know it right so if you do know it if you are if you are the kind of person who follows um you know these this story and there are there you know i've seen a million documentaries on the sharon tate murder and the manson family right um so i've just had this burned into me i'm not even a big manson follower like this is just like from me growing up i it was just you know around all the time um so that's part of what I mean when I say this movie is for people from that era or who love that era because it relies on your knowledge of that era to make this film, uh, to, infor- to inform this film and to make it work on the level that it worked for me anyway. Right. Um, and, and that's why I think there may be a disconnect between some people who saw it and just thought it was slow and people like me who are like, oh my God, because every frame of this film is loaded with so much detail and so much love from Quentin. Um, that uh, like I could talk about this movie for four or five hours if we wanted to go scene for <laughs> scene, scene for scene through the I, I, I absolutely I feel the same way that I felt about Inglorious Bastards and Inglorious Bastards is like it's a film that I you know however many years later I still feel like I can't properly review it because I'm not smart enough because like every scene of that film is so loaded with details and history and like stuff about like Nazi film history and just like like obscure historical stuff that you just got to be so obsessed with film and you got to be so smart like Quentin to like pull it all out and like use it in your creation, put it in your, in your palette uh, of your, it's been 10 years. The anniversary just passed like last week. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so, uh, very, very similar thing, I think, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to me. It's a very similar film to Inglourious Bastards in that way, um, even though it's a much different film. Uh, but um, the whole, like, um, love story, wish fulfillment for people who already know about all this stuff mm-hmm. is, a huge, is a huge factor um, in loving this film, I think. Um, other huge factors in this in this in loving this film are the performances of Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, yeah. who, um, you know, two of our greatest. I think maybe Leo, maybe our greatest um, of our generation. Yeah. I, I he's the, there are very few actors who I can just like. I'm not a huge fan of the like acting as uh, an art, right? Like I don't buy into it completely. You know, I'm not like whoa. You know, his work is so moving, but God damn it. Leonardo DiCaprio in this film yeah. like blew me back in my chair. What he just changes personalities. And 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 this film is about an actor. So they give you his process, right? They show you him, you know, in, in the process of learning his lines, and they show you him in like the process of reacting to people's criticisms of his work and they show you how he breaks down after he has a rough day on the set and can't remember his lines and and then they show you at work performing at his masterful best and like they don't make like they don't explain it they just show it to you right and and leo is just so good like he just he switches like a light switch. I swear he blew me back in my chair. Like the, I there there's very like maybe one other actor and I uh, who's the guy for uh, I can't never remember his name. He's such a great actor. I never remember his real name. Which the guy name? from the, There Will Be Blood. Um, oh, um, the, Gary Oldman. No, no. Uh, damn. Okay. Are uh, you talking about? Um, um, oh shit! Now I'm drawing a blank. See, he's such, he's such a great actor. He's like anonymous. Wasn't, wasn't Gary Oldman the main in that film? Hold on, I'm pulling up. Not uh, Sam. What's his face? Yes, it is Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Sorry, right say Yeah, yeah. Okay. Daniel Day Lewis yeah. is is the greatest actor alive. Yeah. Um, and he did his last film last year. Which is why I never remember his name because yeah. he's just a character. He's never a person to me. Yeah. Like, um, he's just the character that he portrays. Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, definitely second place. And well, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, no slouch either, man. He's yeah. great in this. Go so ahead. Did you notice that uh, in the beginning of the film, um, Leonardo DiCaprio had a uh, stutter? And yes. it kind of. It's part got, of his portrait. Yeah, yeah and it got kind of lost somewhere. And towards the like mid to the end, right? I feel um, part of his character progression. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that was yeah. No, I was just uh, no. I was just thinking about that now because um, I was trying to figure out because he was started stuttering like at the beginning when he was talking to uh, what's his face in the bar, um, uh, Robert De Niro. Yeah, and um, I'm like. I don't. I don't recall him having a stutter in the in the trailer, and then lo and behold, later on, he kind of lost it. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So yeah, that's right. And I want to talk about that scene, that De Niro scene. It's the opening of the movie, and um, and it really struck me. First of all, it struck me as being so similar to the opening scene of 
and I don't know if it's the opening scene, but a scene very early in the movie of um, Pulp Fiction, okay. where where Bruce Willis is talking to uh, what's his name, the gangster character in Pulp Fiction. Uh, yes, Ving Rhames yeah, um, character in Pulp Fiction. Anyway, Ving so Rhames Wallace. Ving Rhames is saying to Bruce Willis in the beginning of Pulp Fiction, you know, Bruce, Bruce Willis is like an old, almost washed up boxer, yeah. and he's he's fighting a big a big pay fight, and Ving Rhames is the gangster paying him to lose the fight, yeah. and he's making a speech to him, just saying, you know what, man, you you know you don't got a lot of options left, you know, this is good for you, you know, you should take this and just be happy with it and swallow your pride and do this, yeah. and and that and that becomes like. Um, the impetus for the whole movie is the choice that Bruce Willis has to make in the beginning, yeah. the choice that's presented to him by bring by Ving Rhames. And I felt like this movie was set up in a very similar way with Al Pacino in this scene with Leo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo DiCaprio's character in this movie, I guess we should, we should talk about it a little bit is Rick Dalton. Yeah. Rick Dalton is an aging um, action Hollywood star. He's, yeah. He uh, was a big star in Westerns, um, and Westerns, like, like, like we said, are fading, and he's aging. Brad Pitt plays Cliff Booth, who is his stuntman, best friend, personal assistant, basically. Yeah. Just go, you know, spends every day with him doing whatever he needs done. His whole life is just to be um, Rick Dalton's you know, right-hand man, basically. Yeah. Um, so uh, Rick Dalton, and uh, in the beginning of this film, uh, Rick and Cliff, they go and they meet... Um, Robert De Niro. Robert De, Robert De Niro. Come on. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro. What? Is it Robert De Niro? Yeah, Is that what you said? Robert De Niro. Yeah. I don't think it's Robert De Niro. Not Pacino. No. Al, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I just want to see if you're going to get it. Uh, so Al Pacino's character uh, is like a, a, a film producer, yeah. and he's trying to talk Rick Dalton into going to Italy to film spaghetti westerns. Right. And this is another this is another thing, if you're a film buff from the era, this is a big thing to you, because spaghetti westerns were a big thing. They were always on TV in the 70s and 80s when I was a kid, because... When the Hollywood's era of Western filmmaking started to end, Europe was still in love with the genre, and a lot of Westerns started getting made in Europe when they stopped getting made in Hollywood. So a lot of of big, uh, older, like faded actors from Hollywood ended up going to Europe to make Westerns there, and they were referred to in the era as spaghetti Westerns because they were mostly made in Italy, um, and they were considered to be terrible by the American audience. Uh, They had uh, weird overdubbing in, in that in the European filmmaking studios, they wouldn't all, they would all speak their own languages. So if there was an actor who was Italian and an actor who was, like German and an actor who was American, they would all speak their dialogue in their own languages. And then they would just overdub it after mm. with different acts. So these movies sounded bad by nature. They were also prone to really long stretches of boring dialogue and hammy acting by the stars. And, and they were kind of just looked down upon in America. So this opening scene where Rick Dalton is trying to be talked into going to Italy to, to star in Spaghetti Westerns uh, by a Hollywood producer, that's like a humiliation for him. In the same way that Bruce Willis's character, it was a humiliation for him to go and lose that fight. Yeah. Uh, it would be a humiliation for Rick Dalton to go to Italy and make Spaghetti Westerns. And, uh, and Al Pacino's, um, a, you know, uh, 
method of convincing him, his argument is 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 very like manly and of the times. It's like you know, you, like you're known for being a tough guy, Rick Dalton. You're the hero, and now that you're an aging star. Um, you never get to win anymore. You never get to be the hero anymore. You have to star on these TV shows as the villain now to get a paycheck. But if you went to Italy, if you starred in these spaghetti westerns where they still think you're a hero, you'd get to still be the hero. You'd get to win some fucking fights. That's the that last the last line of, that he uses is, you know, go to Italy and win some fucking fights. And that's the choice that Leo is stuck with here. You know, it was as an actor... He talks about how it was always his dream to move to L.A. He loves his L.A. mansion and his L.A. lifestyle. Yeah. And the idea of giving up, giving that up to go to Italy feels like a failure to him. Um, it's a great, again, like it's a great uh, conflict scenario that's set up for you in this first scene. But it's so pivotal to you understanding this era and loving this era, which, which I, again, I think these three guys, Quentin, Leo, and Brad, it's all, it's all for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um and you see it in other great things like the Bruce Lee scene that everybody talks about and it has been so controversial, right? Yeah. Some Bruce Lee fans are really offended by the fact that there's this scene in the movie where uh, Bruce Lee is on set uh, and Cliff Booth, Brad Pitt's character, is on set with him. And and Bruce Lee is is bragging about how dangerous and tough he is. Yeah. And, Brad, and Brad is who is actually a super dangerous, tough guy. Um, and this, the purpose of this scene really is to set that up for us, uh, you know, kind of thinks he's a, he's a goof and kind of makes fun of him and kind of says, you know, okay, uh, friendly competition then, um, you know, they, they agree they're going to have a, like a little, uh, play fight basically, you know, whoever, whoever can put who on their back wins. Yeah. Twice. Uh, Twice. Right, 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 right. Uh, and Brad Pitt ends up embarrassing Bruce, Bruce Lee. He picks up and throws him into a car. And, you know, basically makes his kung fu look embarrassing. And this has been very controversial, and I understand, because Bruce Lee is like a revered, worshipped martial artist mm-hmm. uh, and Hollywood action star. You know, I think the two things are very confused among Bruce Lee fans. Um, you know, I personally think of Bruce Lee as an actor, you know, not as like some super deadly martial artist. I personally buy the the opinion that a bigger stronger martial artist could beat bruce lee every time um but um a lot of people don't i love you know i don't i don't want to get into that even it's not important i don't think i I think i just feel i feel people are blowing out of proportion because quentin tarantino uh is a huge bruce lee fan and i'm pretty sure the last thing he would want to do like come on um the the fucking kill bill he modeled her suit, the yellow suit, after Bruce yes. Lee. Like, yes. he's a huge Bruce Lee fan. And yes. um, he was never trying to, like, um, diminish his, uh, his like, um, uh, his reputation. That's what I was looking for. He right. was just, he was just, this is his way of just trying to make his character, his fictional character in this movie that's like a fictional story. Um, look but, more badass than, but somewhat based in reality, and I want to clarify well, that as well. It's, because there is a story. There is well, a story that this was based on. Yeah. Oh no, but that whole that whole part it's fictional though, because Rick Dalton's not a real person, and neither is the stuntman. True. Man, right? True. That's true. what I mean. So he's trying true. to make his stuntman in his fictional world look like a badass that he can actually possibly beat Bruce Lee. That was the whole point of that scene, right? Right, right. We, because we it's, 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 important, it's important later yeah. that you know 
what a badass Brad Pitt's yeah. character is. Because this is not a movie with a lot of fighting in it. No. This is not a movie with much violence or action in it at all. Yeah. Uh, until the finale of the film. Yeah. Uh, and 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 the rest of the film leading up to the finale is kind of slow. Yeah. And, and so um, it's important that this scene be in there early on in the film so that we we understand that yeah. Brad Pitt is not just a, like some Hollywood pretty boy yeah. who works on movies. He's a tough motherfucker. He's a he tough was guy. He, he was he was a war veteran. We heard yeah. and um, also not the nicest dude uh, because um, there's a legend that he got away with killing his wife, killing his which wife, is exactly. which yeah. is which is another story based in a which, real Hollywood story, which they never did answer in the film, which I no. thought was kind of weird. Like when they I didn't had think the it was flash- weird. I thought it was. I thought it was oh, so. Like when they had the flashback, like you, were, I, I personally thought it was going to be like because he's got this reputation that uh, he killed his wife. I thought they're going to set it up that it was an accident. Like he, like he was just like playing. Like because remember he had the bow in his hand, whatever. And I thought for sure it'd just be like, yeah, but and then it just accidentally goes off. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I thought okay. they're going to set it up like okay. that, but they okay. never, they never showed the uh, like what. The, like what happened you know what i mean so, okay yeah that's your take that i wanted to give you my take um i i think that first of all this is based on a real life hollywood story um from the era there okay. was a there, there was a hollywood actress natalie wood and her and her famous hollywood husband robert wagner mm. and there was an accident out on the water one night and natalie wood fell off the boat and died and everybody said robert wagner pushed her Everybody who knew them personally said Robert Wagner definitely killed her, okay. but there was, but it couldn't be proven, and he was never charged anything, right? Okay. And it was, and it was a big scandal. And I remember my parent, my mom, you know, um, was so was so like, um, like upset about this um, when I was when I was a child. Like this, Natalie Wood was a, like a very like upsetting subject um, because. She was like a you know just a, a, a beloved Hollywood actress, and she died in this mysterious. And th- this story, like her name was even Natalie in the movie, uh, the oh, girl. Oh, okay, yeah. So, this is uh, stuff so I it, didn't know. It, it was it was absolutely intended to be referring to that story. Okay, and the and I and my take on it is first of all he left it open ended. It is up to the audience yeah. to decide whether you think Brad Pitt killed his wife or not yeah. in this flashback scene. But my take on it was you. He absolutely did, and and Quentin absolutely thinks that he did, and and thinks that Robert Wagner did, because again, it's about that era of Hollywood, right? And it's about you know um, his leftover stuff from that time, right? right? And the same thing with the Bruce Lee story. There is a story, and if you look it up, you can find it. Bruce Lee has a, had a trainer who worked with him on a lot of his movies. Who's an American guy? I forget his name right now, but he was a big blonde dude, and he was a jujitsu. Uh, specialist, not a kung fu guy, right? And between takes on a movie set, they were wrestling, goofing around, sparring, and Bruce Lee's trainer picked him up over his head in an air in a fireman's carry and spun him around. And Bruce Lee couldn't get out, and it was very embarrassing for Bruce Lee mm. because and and this was a moment where Bruce Lee uh, talked about a lot because it was the moment where he realized he had to change his martial arts style and incorporate more grappling because his kung fu wasn't sufficient to deal with grapplers. Mm. And this this story was a story between two friends, right? Like they were they were working together at the time, but it was still embarrassing for Bruce Lee that this happened to him in front of a, in front of so many people. Right. So that story was translates into the Brad Pitt, uh, Bruce Lee scene in this film, and the Natalie Wood death story translates into the Brad Pitt, 
possibly murdered his wife flashback in this film too. And a a lot of people are criticizing this film for being, you know, um, violent towards women. And this scene, this, you know, Brad Pitt, the hero of this movie, they show him probably killing his wife early on in this movie. And it's kind of played for funny, like for laughs. Uh, This is, this has been a big controversial thing with people reacting to this film. And, um, you know, I I I, I kind of get it. I, I I think that um, this is a case where Quentin was being intentionally edgy. You know, uh, Quentin didn't use the N word in this script one time, so I think he probably like uh, had had this need to like get some edginess out and like push some you know push some buttons out there. I think mm-hmm. it was intentional. I think it was intentionally um, controversial. Okay. Anyway, um, and uh, but still fun for me because uh, because I know all this. I knew this Natalie Wood story, you know, and I knew this Bruce Lee story, and I remember when I was a kid how like dudes were into martial arts and martial arts films. There was always a debate over like um, Chuck Norris could beat Bruce Lee, right? There was always like a like white guys, especially uh, like redneck white guys. I'm sorry, I got to say it. Um, kind of preferred the white action stars and always wanted to believe they could beat Bruce Lee. So this story was told a lot, right? Mm. And people accused Bruce Lee of being a phony a lot. Not me. I was a fan of them all. And I think movies are movies and it's not about, you know, who could really win in a fight. But, um, uh, again, it's all about this era and this film is for people who love this era, but we've gone on about it a long time. So we're going to wrap up so we can get to the news. Um, I just want to say this film, again, really super highly rated for me. Again, they, they changed the ending. Spoiler alert. Uh, the Marilyn Manson murder does not happen. And that is the wish fulfillment for these characters. Yeah. These characters stop Sharon Tate from being murdered. They intervene in the, in the final moments. Mm-hmm. Of, and they kill Sharon Tate's murderers, who yeah. are real-life historical figures who are hated again, by people who follow the Sharon Tate thing, hate these people. Mm -hmm. So the murdering of these people is super wish fulfillment for these guys, these middle-aged Hollywood guys who loved that era, who loved Sharon Tate, who loved Roman Polanski, by the way. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, and this is very controversial too, because Roman Polanski raped a 13-year-old girl after this and and hasn't been able to come back to America ever since because he'd go straight to jail. But Hollywood guys who loved his films, like Rosemary's Baby, who, like Quentin Tarantino, have always been kind of mad that Roman Polanski's career got ended here, right? right? And in this happy ending, Sharon Tate lives, her baby lives, Roman Polanski, um, it, it is, it's, we don't see it, but it is intimated that Jack Dalton, uh, I'm sorry, Rick Dalton, sorry, uh, Who's 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 Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate's next door neighbor, and who just wishes he could meet Roman Polanski to try to get into one of his movies to try to revive his career. Yeah. The movie ends with Rick and Cliff saving Sharon Tate's life and the life of Roman Polanski's baby, and Sharon inviting them into their house and becoming friends. And you can intimate from this. That yes, Rick Dalton is going to now be tight with Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski's life is never going to go sideways. He's never going to rape that little girl. And he's probably going to put Rick Dalton in his films and revive his film career in Hollywood. And that's the fantasy, fairy tale, happy ending specifically for middle-aged Hollywood men. Right. right? That's that's the essence of this film for me is that moment. And I, I you know, I loved it. Um and again, um, it's one of my favorite Tarantino movies. When I when I when it first came out, I I put it down like fourth or fifth. I think I said it was Inglorious Bastards, and then Pulp Fiction, and then Reservoir Dogs, 
and 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 then maybe this but i think it's moved up i think this is number two for me now this is this movie i love so much and it's different but it's still everything i love about tarantino Mm -hmm. and um it's an evolution of him for me um so i i'm gonna give uh once upon a time in hollywood a nine out of ten okay um i so with me i feel like if i watch this movie again because i only watch it the one time and if i Knowing me, like I, the first time I watched Hateful Eight, I thought it was subpar. And then I watched it again, and I enjoyed it a bit more. And then I watched it again, and I loved it. So I have a feeling if I watch this one a couple more times, it will grow on me. But as of right now, I don't feel that it's uh, up there as high as you, as your thing. But uh, I would put it at a 7 out of 10. 7 out of uh, 10. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's like your... That's like your catch-all bin. I feel like I feel like like so much stuff ends up in that seven out of ten yeah. category for you. Maybe like at most seven point five, but yeah, it like I said, it might, it'll probably go up if I watch it again. But no, I I I too was in that same boat where there was a bunch of parts that did drag out for me. And like I said, don't get me wrong, I thought fucking Leonardo was amazing in the film. Mm. Uh, Brad Pitt was good. Like story was good. Um, I I was not, I didn't see the ending coming. Um, and much like you, as soon as I like after watching it and pondering it and thinking about it, I was like, this is basically Glorious Bastards uh, because he changed history. So, yeah. um, but no, like yeah, uh, I like I said, uh, I, maybe a seven point five. Cool. Cool. So, so um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is still in theaters. If you haven't seen it yet uh, and you're a Tarantino fan, I, I think you should definitely, definitely get out and see it. Yeah, it's definitely recommended as a Tarantino fan. Uh, it won't disappoint in that level. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's one of those films that's going to have to sync with, with me again. I'm going to have to watch it again. Cool. Well, my friend, that is all for our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood (laughs) reviews. And we will now move on to the next chapter, the next phase, because it's the return, Kev. It's the return of you know what? The News Grinder. this week and we are going to grind through it all we are yep. going to reduce it to a fine granular powder yep. so you can mix it with water and enjoy it as a tasty <laughs> beverage oh you made me snort <laughs> and let's start uh, with probably i guess what has become the biggest news of the week biggest it is, it, news biggest it is news. really big news spider-man is officially out of oh. the mcu oh, due to a financial dispute a oh. money an argument over money a it disgusting hurts. disgusting hurts. filthy greedy disney corporate. disney you greedy fucks <laughs> um and sony you ungrateful fucks yes yes right, both I of agree. them Oh, everybody's wrong. Like I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to pick one corporate master over another to root no, for. No, they're right. all. They're all evil in their own ways. And this is specifically why corporate control over mm-hmm. our wish fulfillment entertainment is a terrible thing for us. Yeah. Because stupid things like arguments over who's going to get rich from this yeah. uh, are destroying. Destroying, destroying the thing that they have spent so many years mm-hmm. making us love um and, and it's absolutely disgusting mm-hmm. uh, I, 
this has gone on now for a couple of days now. I didn't report on it on the first day because I didn't want to because I was convinced it was going to go nowhere. I was convinced it was just a public negotiation. Mm-hmm. I was I was think you know Kevin Feige is a hard ass it, and and you have to be to achieve what he's achieved. Yeah. Like he's a super nice guy. Everybody says, but he's also like. Like, man, he does tough stuff, man. He he will not let another studio schedule a big film on an important weekend without him putting something up against it to, to, to undercut it. He will not let, you know, DC make a creative decision without him making a, a, a trump card creative decision directly after it right. to follow, right? Like, like uh, the fact that, you know... Um, Civil War was not going to get made. Like the Russo brothers pitched Captain America Civil War to Kevin Feige and he said no until the announcement of Batman versus Superman and the plot. And then Kevin Feige called the Russo brothers back up and said, you know what? I want to do that Civil War thing now. And so we got these two movies that came out that were so similar mm-hmm. and everybody just kept comparing Batman versus Superman to Civil War, yeah. which did, which it had, didn't really stand a chance against because Civil War, you had spent 10 years already uh, getting invested in all those characters. Yeah. And this Batman versus Superman was this new experimental thing that now is just going to get compared. Anyway, um, Kevin Feige is... A Machiavellian power player. You know, don't get fooled by his smiley, friendly appearance. He mm-hmm. is a cutthroat Hollywood executive. Yep. And he obviously had a clear plan here, man. He he made Spider-Man Far From Home the most successful Spider-Man film of all time. The most successful Sony film of all time. Yep. And he made Spider-Man the center of the MCU. So he knows. He did all this intentionally. Yeah. He, this, this was all to negotiate with Sony. Sony, I dare you now, he's saying, to take Spider-Man out of the MCU. Now that the entire world is focused on this question of, is Spider-Man the next Iron Man? Right? It was the whole fucking thrust of Spider-Man Far From Home. Is Spider-Man the next Iron Man? Is he the center of the MCU? And the fans loved that. The fans wanted that. Mm -hmm. And the fans now are going to be on Sony so badly. Sony is going to get... This is the Marvel bias that I hate, right? Like, I hate the way whenever it's Marvel versus DC in a conversation, DC gets crushed Mm -hmm. because the entire media landscape has been so indoctrinated by Marvel over the last decade. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's gotten their freebies from from the MCU. Everybody's been to their previews. Everybody's – and not for nothing, there was a lot of great movies and a lot of reason to love it. But – but they everybody bought into this if you're if you're competing we're going to fucking hold your feet to the fire and we're going to thrash you until you bleed to death right um and, and and kevin feige is relying on all of this in this negotiation so when this whole thing happened i was like fucking feige this is all you you are putting all of us through this to win this negotiation to get that 50% right mm-hmm. and the whole dispute is about is you know right now the MCU, uh, Marvel Films, only gets 5% of the profit from the release of the Spider-Man films. Right. The, deal, the deal is uh, Marvel takes all of the merchandising money and Sony releases the film and takes the box office profit. That's their sharing arrangement. Marvel only gets 5% of the box office. So in this new round of negotiation to renegotiate the deal going forward after the success of Spider-Man Far From Home, Kevin Feige says, we don't want 5% anymore. Now we want 50 and it's a co-financing deal so it doesn't it's like it's not exactly the way it sounds it doesn't just mean oh we get 45% more of the money that comes in they also have to put up 50% of the funding to make the film in the first place right that's what a 
a co like a co funding agreement like that means. We put up half the money and then we take half the money, right? Mm. Um, so it's not the craziest idea, honestly, man. Like 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 Sony wouldn't have made a, mo- a film as huge as Far From Home. They couldn't have without the MCU to to put in there with it, right? Yep. Uh, but at the same time, Sony is coming off of the success of Into the Spider Verse, which is arguably the best Spider Man movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's a better movie than Far From Home. It's a better movie than um, Comes Home. Uh, like it's arguably, it, yes. Into the Spider Verse <laughs> yeah. is the best is the best Spider Man movie ever made. So from Sony's point of view, it's easy to see how they could be saying, "Wait a minute, maybe we don't need Kevin Feige anymore." Yeah. And maybe we don't need to give up 45% of our take of the most profitable film we have. Yeah. So, look, uh, again, I'm not picking one master over another. Uh, I, I just hate the gr- that greed is the reason these, these decisions get made. Yeah. So, look, um, can Sony make a great Spider-Man film with Tom Holland and with the same director who, who made the last two and um, with, you know, in Venom? Uh, with Venom in it, yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. You can hire the right people. You could make a great movie. You could make the greatest Spider-Man three I've ever seen. Right? Yeah. Like Sony could go ahead and make a Spider-Man movie that I sit here in this chair and speaking to this microphone and say that was the best Spider-Man movie I ever saw. That's completely possible, yeah. and I I wouldn't suggest otherwise. But the pressure is going to be from the MCU fans who have to go to the next MCU movie and have no mention of Spider-Man, and have to go to the next Avengers movie and have no mention of Spider-Man when. And we have just been indoctrinated to uh, feel like Spider-Man is the entire center yeah. of our, our MCU. And the MCU is bigger than Sony, and the fans are going to crush Sony with pressure to let Spider-Man come back to the Avengers. Yeah. And I don't know if we're going to see a reversal on this decision before the next films get made. I have a feeling we're going to see a, a Sony Spider-Man film uh, without any connection to the MCU before this gets fixed. I, I have a feeling it's like that now. I, my, my original inclination was that it's going to be a couple of days and they're going to announce they, they made an agreement, but it's been a couple of days now, so my feeling is maybe it's going to be a couple of years before we find out that Spider-Man comes back to the MCU. Right. That's my take, anyway. Yeah. What about you? No, um, no I, can, uh, I can totally see that. Um, I agree with everything you said. Uh, they have this into the Spider-Verse under their belt. Um, they're probably thinking, fuck you guys, we don't need you. Um, you thanks for setting up our franchise. We'll take it from here, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, no, I could totally agree with what you're saying. I have a feeling uh, they're going to put out a Spider-Man movie, and it's not going to achieve the billion dollars that, uh, you know, Far From Home achieved. And uh, they'll probably be like, yeah, maybe you guys can have him back. <laughs> here's, you know well, what? I here's the thing. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, we won't know until we get there. But yeah. as you're saying that, I'm thinking about that. I'm picturing it, and I'm thinking. I don't think Sony can really miss. I, I, I really don't think they can. Uh, you know, Venom was a big movie for them too. But did v- it Venom a billion though? No, it, no, it didn't. But it made a lot of money, and yeah. it had a lot, and there's a lot of anticipation yeah. for the people who love that Venom movie for for venom to meet spider-man and and this news just came out i just heard this today for the first time that it's been confirmed now that 
Tom Holland was supposed to be in the first Venom movie. He he yeah. filmed the scene. Yeah. He filmed the scene. Yeah. And and Kevin Feige saw the Venom movie and said, "Take Tom Holland out." Yeah. He didn't. He didn't let them leave that scene in. So this has all happened in the background all this time that we weren't aware of, right? So there's obviously some tension been happening here. Those kind of things, you know. Um, the, Sony's probably pissed that that Tom Holland wasn't allowed to be in the Venom movie yeah. because the Venom movie might have gone to that billion dollar point if with, with that little ad- addition, right? Yeah. Because, um, but um, it, we're gonna find out in the next Spider-Man movie, and I and my my hunch is. It's going to be huge. Yeah. It's it, you know, even if it's not, even if you can't say Iron Man, you know, in that movie, mm-hmm. um, everything else is going to be there, and it's going to be huge. Uh, the, the the whole Venom um, Spider Man meetup, whenever it happens, uh, maybe it won't won't happen in Venom versus Carnage, but yeah. I have a feeling now. I have a feeling now. Tom Holland is going to be in that movie in some point. Yeah, probably. Some... He'll probably be in the um, in the uh, post credit scene or something. Yeah, so. or 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 the cameo that he was supposed to have in the first Venom movie yeah. will be in the second Venom movie, maybe. All right. All right. Uh, so that's Spider Man. Uh, you know, we will miss you in the MCU. Yeah. Uh, we will see if the MCU tries to fill that void somehow, um, and we'll have a lot to discuss uh, with this story going forward. Yeah. Um, hopefully, it all gets resolved, and hopefully, we get both. You know, like, there's no reason Spider Man can't be in the next Venom and be in the MCU. Uh, if they just work that out, uh, the fans will um, be very grateful, I'm Agreed. sure. <clears throat> Moving on to what I think is the worst, the mm. worst, the worst fandom news I have heard in a good long time. Mm. A good, good, good long time. <laughs> the Matrix 4. <laughs> so we've got one Wachowski yeah. sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, not both. We've got Keanu Reeves. Kate and Moss. We've got we've got Kate Moss. We've got basically the original cast. I assume, and you know who the hell isn't going to come back. Uh, Did we hear Morpheus right. yet, or what? Uh, Morpheus is obviously going to be back because oh, he's yeah. been in every fucking John Wick movie. Yeah. So, like, and that's pissed me off. Okay, it's pissed me off that John Wick, Wick looked so much like The Matrix because the cast was. There was too much crossover. Right. Um, and um, you know what? I just picture them sitting around the set of those John Wick movies just talking about, man, you know, if we could just make another Matrix, yeah. you know. And then you know, it's it's so douchey to me, man. It's so douchey. Look, The Matrix is one of my favorite films of all time. It's it's in my top ten. It's, it's in my top five. Maybe my top three. I'm not sure. I'm not that specific. But The Matrix is a great, great film. And – and it it seemed like an impossible task to make sequels to that great achievement of filmmaking. And um, it was because yep. they made the two worst fucking sequels ever. And it's, <laughs> it's not even debatable. I was, like, was going like, to ask you. No, nobody even fucking debates this. There's nobody who loves The Matrix 2 and The Matrix 3. There's nobody. Yeah. It, is, it is universally accepted. That the Matrix series was destroyed, destroyed <laughs> by part two and part three. I have, and I have he, a and confession. He, I have a confession. Go ahead. No, don't you dare. I, <laughs> don't I, you dare. I actually really enjoyed part two. It was part three that uh, that sucked balls for me. But no, I actually did enjoy part two. I actually liked it. Don't get me wrong. Like I still think the first one's the best one out of the series. But uh, part two, I actually didn't think was was shit. 
but part three definitely was a shit fest. So okay, so anyway, <laughs> it is universally accepted, except by Kevin, <laughs> that part two and three uh, of the again. Matrix. <laughs> Are garbage, and here you have these fat cat Hollywood people. Look, you had your greatest movie of all time. You had The Matrix, right? Mm-hmm. And you then you had two sequels that were awful, made you a lot of money, but then you didn't get all of that love and adoration from the critics, critical side anymore, right? Yeah. Now everybody says, "Oh, you fucking ruined this. Uh, enjoy your money and go away, please." Right? Yeah. Like, um. And now the greed here is now we're greedy for that adulation. No, we got to do it right. We got to make the fans happy. We got to give them the sequel they deserve. No, you don't. You have to go away and stop pissing down the neck of one of the greatest movies of all time by adding more shit on top of it. This is like George Lucas with the prequels. And this is this is like, you know how George Lucas, if he had if he had not sold the rights to Star Wars, mm-hmm. he, ha- he has admitted that. Uh, episode seven was going to be all about midi chlorians and going into the microcosmos <laughs> and like, go, like weird fucking goofy shit. That's not Star Wars. Right. Was going. This is what's fucking happened with the Matrix because look, you have a creative moment of brilliance, right? And you achieve something great that adds to our culture, that improves people's lives, even in a lot of ways, and then. You know, you go and you try to recreate it and you fail. And then you go again and you fail again. And it's like, okay, at some point you got to say, look, we have profited so much from this. We have, you know, we have these huge houses and these nice cars and these we're, we're huge, fantastic celebrities. We don't need any more. We can let it go because we keep, we keep abusing this thing. Yeah. We keep, you know, and here we so, go again. Here we go again. Okay, you want to make so, it worse again. So they, they haven't announced what the story's going to be, right? Not at all. No. So, do you think they're going to do the uh, the uh, Halloween scenario where uh, part two and three don't exist? And this no, they be... can't. There's no way. Why there's, not? There's and no this way. can be. This will be the direct sequel to part one. Because that's garbage filmmaking. First of all, I mean that's. What, I'm sorry, but this is why I hate the horror genre. Okay, because <laughs> like they don't give a shit. Right? Yeah. It's just garbage. Like, what can we put out that some fat asses might sit in some seats to watch? And and horror fans don't give a shit. You know, reboot Halloween every fucking year. I don't give a shit. I'm gonna come see it because it says Halloween on the title. Yeah. Uh, you know, reboot Friday the Thirteenth as million times as you fucking want. I don't care. I'm gonna come see it. I'm a horror fan. Horror fans don't give a shit okay and i and the matrix is not is not I, to reduce the matrix to that level is exactly the abuse i'm talking about okay that's that that would be exactly the destructive kind of storytelling that i'm talking about don't go and shit and just and take away the thing just because in hindsight people didn't like it mm. you can, like uh, look <laughs> <laughs> what bother what bothers me about the force awakens mm-hmm. more more than anything is that to me it destroys return of the jedi right uh, the the ending of return of the jedi makes no difference at the beginning of the force awakens because the empire is stronger than it fucking was before we blew up the death star our heroes are are like weaker than they were in the beginning of the last trilogy of the original trilogy like like everything that we achieved in the original trilogy mm-hmm. is taken away 
just wiped off the page by The Force Awakens. Right. And I, you know what? I enjoy The Force Awakens. I don't hate it. But if you ask me what bothers me about it, that's what bothers me about it. Is narratively, I think it just wrecks everything that came before it. Right. Um, and you know, you don't have to agree with me. People don't. People won't agree with me on that uh, universally. But that's my feeling. And I feel like this is. You know, you uh, like don't do that. Just you, you, if you want to tell another story in the Matrix universe with different characters in a different timeline, you know, y it's your property. Feel free. It's your universe. Create an expanded universe. Do whatever you want. But you ended this story, okay? Kate Trinity died. Neo sacrificed himself. the The war was ended. There was a peace treaty. Mm -hmm. You brought the whole thing to a close. You closed the story. It's over. You ended it, and right. now to just say, "Well, we can do whatever we want." You know, we can we can have uh, we can. It can be an alternate universe. It can be. You know, um, I've heard people say uh, in that scene with the architect, uh, you see a thousand screens with a thousand different versions of Neo on it, right? Mm. So this movie could just be one of those other versions of Neo in a different <laughs> in a different time, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and you could do some terrible. Uh, retcon move like that but yeah. fucking we watched trinity and neo complete their story arc we watched it end it's ended to to come back to it again to go back to the well is to say yes episodes two and three uh, uh don't don't matter anymore so yeah. look if you were an, a fan of episode and two and three you shouldn't want them to do that but yeah. The fact that there are no episodes of three, I'm gonna I'm gonna clarify. I'm not gonna say two now, so you don't correct me again. But th there are no fans of three that I've ever heard of. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, people are reacting positively to the, to this announcement. Like, yeah, come back and do it right. Yeah. Um, no, fuck off, go away, don't fucking do it. Um. Wachowski's just like just go, go, like go party on an island for the rest of your lives. Enjoy yourselves. Leave us alone, okay? And you know, I feel the same way I feel about Avatar. You know, yeah. like just oh, don't just, don't start on Avatar. Just, just walk away. Just walk away. Just walk away. <laughs> anyway, that's how I feel about <laughs> the Matrix Four. How do you feel? Uh, to be honest, when I when I saw the announcement, I wasn't like yes. <laughs> I was just like. Really? <laughs> you know what I mean? So um I knowing me, I'll watch it regardless. And I don't know. I the first thing that popped into my head though, like I said, was is this gonna be a direct sequel to part one? Are they just gonna ignore the fact right. that two and three right. ever happened? Right. Right. I've know, seen that's... people I've seen people saying that, oh, they're finally gonna make the Matrix two. Yeah. 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 Uh I don't know. That's I have a feeling that's the route they'll probably go. But again, they haven't announced anything. All they announced is that, you know, thing is coming back, uh Cano and Kate Moss, whoever. And yeah. So I Okay. I'm, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm not excited. I'm, I'm not excited. Okay. okay. You want you want to know what my opening scene if that was the movie, okay? Yeah, yeah. And this was I'm gonna go back back in time, right? I'm gonna okay? wake up from the dream sequence. When I when I heard when I heard that they were making the Matrix reloaded, right? Yeah. yeah. I was so, so excited, right? Um, I wrote the opening scene for that movie in my mind. And if they had done my opening scene instead of what they did in The Matrix Reloaded, it would have been the greatest movie of all time. So yeah. if they were going to do that now, this this would be the opening scene, okay? Okay. <laughs> 
it's it's Neo, but it's not Neo. It's Mr. Anderson, and he's back in his office cubicle, and he's typing on his computer. Yeah, and his phone rings. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> he answers the phone, and he's like, Neo, and, and it's Morpheus on the phone, and he's like, "Who's this?" <laughs> it's yeah. like, Neo. It's it's the Matrix. You're back in the Matrix. It's been reloaded. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole plot of the movie is Neo has been captured again and put back in the Matrix and has forgotten all of the events of the first movie and has to do it all over again. But this time, you know, he does it bigger and better. And, and, you know, it's a bigger finale. It's, you know, he's more powerful at the end and he destroys more at the end. Right. Mm. That would have been a great Matrix sequel. Right. Um, but you okay. give me, th- but you give me thousands of this, Agent Smith on the screen, and I'm sorry, I walk away. This is what's going to happen, dude. They're gonna the the movie is going to start. Um, and when I say the movie, I mean part four. The movie's going to start with uh, uh, Neo and Morpheus sitting in the chair, and he's giving them that speech, and he's like, "Do you take the red pill <laughs> or the green pill?" But this time, he's going to take blue. the. Is it blue? I can't remember. Isn't blue Viagra? It's blue or green. Okay, blue or green. So whichever. Blue or red. Uh, blue or red. Blue or red. Yeah. Okay. So he took what the the blue pill. He's he gonna took, take. He's gonna take the red pill this time, and it's gonna right. be a completely different ver. A different. Uh, the movie's gonna go a different way. That's what's gonna happen. No, That's what I I'm think, calling it right I, now. I think the red pill was the one to leave the matrix, and the blue pill was the one to stay in the matrix. Okay, so he's taking the so red. I, <laughs> That's what he did in the first one. No, he did. He took the blue, didn't he? He stayed in the no, matrix. He took the, no, he left the matrix. Okay. That was the whole point of that scene. <laughs> I don't remember. How long it's been so much that shit. No, I thought he took it. I thought he took the pill. He took the red pill, and, and that's how further, they got him out of the matrix. That's how they got further, him got him out of the, the, the farm. Yeah, right? he went further down the rabbit hole. Yeah, but that was to come out. Oh, you don't remember. Don't no, know. he <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, fuck Matrix the, 4 fuck the coming Matrix. soon. <laughs> I plan to hate it. We'll see how that goes. Um, you know, put it right up there with Ghostbusters 3 for me. Just fuck off and go away. And leave <laughs> us alone. Leave us alone. Stop it. Just stop it. Moving on to our final piece of news of the day. Finally! Star Wars! Finally! Finally. Finally, and this news is such a relief. Oh, yes. <laughs> because there have been so many rumors and stories yep. about Ewan McGregor making an Obi-Wan film. Standalone originally, yes. Set in the time where Luke Skywalker is a child growing yep. up on Tatooine and Obi-Wan is a hermit on Tatooine. Yep. Um, basically looking after him from a distance. Yep. Uh, it's 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 perfect timing. Ewan McGregor is now older than Alec Guinness was uh, when he made Star Wars. Oh, uh, he isn't. He, no, he looks younger. Yeah, no, he is. Really? Yeah, oh, I, I think know. so. Uh, I'll have to look I... it up to get the exact numbers again, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. I've, no, because um, uh, Luke Sky or sorry, Mark Hamill was the age is the age now that Obi Wan was when he made The Force Awakens. Right. Are you sure you're not mixing that up? Because I don't, I don't think I don't think no I don't think Ewan McGregor is little, is as old as uh, Alec Guinness was when he okay. made Star Wars. Yeah, I think. 
Anyway, yeah. um, maybe I'm wrong about the age thing, yeah. but um, Ewan McGregor is still young enough and strong enough to make great Star Wars movies. Mm. Oh, yeah. He can st- he can still be ha- have great lightsaber duels. Yep. Ewan, Ewan McGregor's lightsaber duels are probably the best in Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. Um, Duel of Fates, uh, uh, my my favorite, absolute. I got you. Right. <laughs> My absolute favorite <laughs> lightsaber duel of all time yeah. was that that three way duel yeah. with Qui Gon and Obi Wan and Darth Maul. Oh yeah, um, and and Obi Wan and Hugh McGregor. It's just great. Like Obi Wan was the was the best part of the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Probably the only watchable part uh, throughout for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, this absolutely needs to happen. We need to get some great Obi Wan stories uh, while we still have. Uh, the great Ewan McGregor here to portray, to portray them for us. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm also really happy that this is happening as a Disney plus streaming show instead of a film. I've been saying for a long time that star Wars needs to use this long form storytelling format. I always said that rogue one shouldn't have been a movie. It should have been a 10 episode streaming show because there's so many fantastic characters in that film that we meet and then they all die in the span of two hours Mm -hmm. and if you gave us 10 hours with stories from all of those characters you'd have a wealth of just wonderful wonderful star wars stories um that we should have had and that we will probably get some of those uh in the other uh streaming show that's coming out that follows uh cassie and andor right but this streaming show, Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, is announced, confirmed. Everybody has come out of the closet. It's not a rumor. It's happening. Ewan McGregor is starring in a Disney Plus streaming series. Uh, and I couldn't be more excited. Kev, uh, what are you hoping to see from this show? What, what kind of Obi-Wan uh, ad- adventures would you like to see? You missed that. <laughs> Hello there. Hello there. <laughs> um, I'm expecting huge things. So um, hopefully, I'm again. Uh, I've said this in the past. Um, I've said that if they do make a standalone Obi Wan film, um, it would be basically it would be from the time that he was on Tatooine um, to I guess when Luke is old enough to become a Jedi. And, um, he obviously didn't just stay on Tatooine, right? Even though he was overlooking him, I'm sure he just didn't stand like on a fucking rock with like binoculars watching him all day. He obviously did. He had missions. Um, he, he, he did other things. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that show where he is like, he gets that call and he has to go and, you know, deal with this situation. Now, an eight hour Obi-Wan film, essentially, I think this is what we need. And I think this is going to blow. Uh, I, as much as I'm looking forward to the Mandalorian trailer drops tomorrow, my birthday. Thank you. Um, I think this is going to blow the Mandalorian out of the water. That's, that's my, oh, that's absolutely. My, yeah, that's absolutely. my, that's my opinion. And yeah, no, I'm super stoked about this. Depending on who the creatives are, but the Mandalorian doesn't have this star power, right? This central Star Wars character. Yes. He's one of the main f- 
fucking characters from the main yeah. fucking saga. Yeah. Uh, you're right. It's not like this is going to be bigger for sure. I'm yeah. predicting that right now. Yeah. Um, but I'm um, looking forward to both of them. Obviously, a great deal. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. I, like, don't get me wrong. I think the Mandalorian is going to be dope. Uh, John Favreau, like, he's 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 on point, man. Like, he's the greatest. Yeah, he, no, he's awesome. You know, you you can thank John Favreau for the MCU because he made he Iron Man. It. That's right. He kicked and, off. I agree. Yeah, I, I and I, that. Iron Man, what everything was built around that. Everything was mm-hmm. kind of kind of modeled after that as well. Yeah. yeah um, so so having John Favreau initiate the Disney plus streaming star Wars universe, the same way he initiated the MCU is a genius, brilliant, the absolute perfect decision and following it up with this series, this Ewan McGregor starring Obi-Wan series is an absolute perfect decision as well. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as story predictions goes, I have a couple, if you're, if you're interested, go for it. Um, I know we don't have too much time, but yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, first of all, I think I think the main villain of this thing is going to end up being Darth Maul. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. W- we have introduced Darth Maul now, into the Star Wars universe via the solo film. Sorry, which can, this, I, can I just say yep. something real quick? Go, Did, you go. didn't watch Rebels, if I remember correctly, right? I watched the Darth Maul episode. Of Rebels. Okay, I didn't, so I didn't you, watch. It. Okay, you saw that. So that's yeah. that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Um, right. Like that episode, if they recreated that moment in this show, I think it would be fucking brilliant. Yeah, so, that would be great. I don't yeah. think they will. I don't think they will redo the moment. But I, I, my hunch will be. My hunch is that um, this is going to be set in the timeline before that moment. Yeah. Because I think it's going to be set um, back but around the the it, time of the the solo movie. It's also going to take place. Um, remember, this is this. It's. I'm sure it's going to be more than just one season. So we're oh, talking. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Right. It says. It's gonna be. It's it's not gonna be just a miniseries. Like this is probably gonna right. go for a few seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. So it will probably end at that moment. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. That's, I'm just throwing that out there. So um, but, yeah. you know, it could it could lead up to that moment. My hunch is that we're gonna see like more of Darth Maul's like rise to power yeah. in red in red red dawn. Uh-huh. Um and um crimson, and crimson dawn. Crimson Dawn, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, and my, and, but my hunch is also that we well, we can't see, we can't have Obi Wan and Darth Maul actually um, meet up or fight uh, yeah. before before that moment, right? Yeah. Because in Rebels, Darth Maul is like seeking, hunting down Obi Wan. Yeah. You know, finally, finally found where he is, right? Yeah. So um, I, I do think we're going to see Crimson Dawn um, playing uh, a heavy presence in this. I, I, I hope we're going to see a cameo from Amelia Clark as well, mm-hmm. um, uh, in the Crimson Dawn stuff. Right. Um, and I think that, um, it's going to be about Darth Maul's rise to power and Obi-Wan kind of steering Crimson Dawn away from Luke Skywalker. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but, but he has to do so without revealing himself too much. Right. right. Like he, um, and I, I, I mean, I don't know. This is just wild speculation, but, but I mean, I've been putting, I'm putting everything together, right? Like these elements that we introduced in Solo that we don't have any other venues for now that we're not doing a Solo two, um, you know. So we got to do something with Darth Maul. We could, we could do something with Amelia Clark. Um, but my hope is, my hope is, Kevin, for this series, and this isn't a prediction because I'm not sure that they're going to do this because I always want this kind of thing and it never happens. Mm. But my hope for this series is that we're going to get a lot of deep dives with with um, actors from the movies coming back. And I'm talking about Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm. I'm talking about um, uh, Anakin Skywalker. Okay. Um, 
Uh, I'm talking about. I want to see uh, Obi Wan. I just I, you could give me a whole episode of this show of just Obi Wan cross legged in a cave, meditating, communing with the Force. You know, sweating. He could be like in a like peyote fever dream kind of state, mm. but like talking to Qui Gon Jinn through the Force. Right. Um, talking uh, maybe to Anakin or just or having visions of Anakin. Um, you know, memories of Anakin, flashbacks. It would uh, definitely have he, to be flashbacks or visions because uh, it could be a force. He's, Dar- he's yeah, Darth, I know. Darth I know. Vader yeah. at this point. Yeah, you could have yeah. a cameo by Darth you Vader have, in yep, this. Movie. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could. I want deep cuts. I want. I want to see. I want to see Yoda in this movie. You, you're talking about. You could have Obi Wan mm-hmm. leave Tatooine. You could absolutely have Obi Wan leave Tatooine. Yep. You could. You could have him go and visit Yoda on Dagobah if you I agree. want. Yeah. Like you could, you could, you could fill this series with deep cuts, fan service, um, and you could just this could be the greatest thing ever made. Um, So my my hopes are sky my hopes are sky high for the Obi Wan TV series. My like through the roof. I want everything. I want Natalie Portman in it. I I like uh, and oh no, I didn't even. She's dead though. I didn't even say my number. (laughs) Yeah, but flashbacks and flashbacks yeah, yeah. and forces. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And I just thought of my number one thing that I didn't even say yet, which is, um, oh. and this is a this is a prediction. Jar Jar. This is a, this is a prediction. Nope. <laughs> Go on. I'm predicting this right now. All right. Hit me. Ahsoka Tano. Oh. Will be will make her first live action appearance yeah. on the Obi Wan Kenobi series, and who what actress will play her? I don't know. That's going to be a great conversation. Well, well, who should be um, cast as a Sopano? What's her name? Uh, Rosario. Um, uh, Rosario Dawson. A lot of people think yeah, that. Well, that, yeah. she she was uh, she was like really hardcore petitioning to be. Um, I think she's too old. Yeah, I don't know how old Ahsoka would be at this point. Uh, I. Feel like she would probably be a little too old for her, but not yeah. by much. I, I was always thinking of somebody younger, like Zendaya. I think Zendaya would be. Yeah, great, yeah, so. okay. Um, yeah, you're probably you right know, on that one. We'll yeah. see. But regardless, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, looking forward to this series yep. a great deal. Absolutely. Great deal. One hundred percent. You and I. So that's it for the grinder, Kev. Oh. We have ground through the news. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> Uh, so before we wrap up tonight, I want to talk about uh, quickly uh, this weekend on uh, Saturday, the uh, same day mm-hmm. as Kevin's birthday, uh, Fan Expo Toronto is happening this weekend uh, from uh, August 22nd. Uh, to, that's today uh, uh, until Sunday, uh, 25th. Isn't it Monday? Um, Don't they go to Monday, Monday now? Oh, no, no, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. They just do the 22nd and 25th. 22nd yeah, yeah, 25th. you're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I will be there on Saturday. I will yeah. be at 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 Steve's uh, fantastic Star Wars panel. Uh, Wish I'd be it's there. Pu- but... pu- hmm? Yeah, that's fair enough. You got you're you're very busy preparing yeah. for your jam. No, I got I got prep. Day. So I guess. But uh, I'll I'll be at the panel uh, publishing in the Star Wars universe. If you have a chance to come check it out, well, uh, Steve's got some, uh, some big time Star Wars authors uh, creators. I'm going to be talking about um, their stories and what it's like to be a creator yep. uh, in in the official Star Wars uh, canon. Yep. And um, so I'll be there. I'll be filming the panel and uh, hopefully talking to some people there. Awesome. But um, if you're at Fan Expo, uh, please come by. Uh, check out the panel. It's at one o'clock. Uh, look it up in your schedule. It's Make publishing sure. it. Make sure Publishing in hi. the Star Wars universe. Make sure you say hi to Jeremy. That's right. Say hi and uh, or don't if you hate me, please. And, um, uh, give him a hug. Either way. <laughs> 
or don't. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll expect to see a lot of people we know there. Sarah yeah. will be there. Um, right. I don't know. I don't know what she's cosplaying as this weekend. I'll be looking forward to checking that out. Uh, cool. Hopefully, I'll I'll uh, I'll take my t- I'll take my recorder. Maybe I'll grab some interviews while I'm there. We'll see how it goes. Perfect. But um, Fan Expo uh, this weekend. Uh, look forward to see you all there, and I look forward to seeing everybody at Kevin's birthday party yeah, uh, on on that night, uh, Saturday, August twenty fourth. Uh, all Stars Bar and Grill in Brampton. That's the one. All right. Um, so, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, do we have anything else to uh, talk about before we wrap up episode 24? Uh, Janet, do you have anything to say? That's the end. <laughs> oh, sadly, Miss Jackson, that is the end. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> check us out on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash tool for this pod spelled with a two and a four the way 90s rappers would do it check us out on facebook and like us please follow us there yep. facebook.com forward slash too old for this podcast spelled with a two and a four because 90 rappers spell that way yep. <sighs> so until next week i guess all we have left to say is just chill till the next episode Part two is dope. Fuck Matrix 4.